everybody. Welcome to Eagleburg Church. Really good to have you with us today if you're at one of our campuses or if you're watching this message online. Uh, before we jump in, I want to let you know about what happened at Ground Zero Summer Takeover this past week. Ground Zero Summer Takeover is an event that we do every year for middle school students, so sixth grade through eighth grade. And if you don't know this about our church already, we really put a lot of energy and effort into middle school and high school ministries. We just believe in those two age groups and we want to pour as much as we can into them. And so this past week, we did something called Ground Zero Summer Takeover. And as you can see from these pictures, we brought in a BMX bike team. We brought in TJ Clemmings from the Minnesota Vikings, who had some great stuff to say, by the way, to middle school students about the fact that following Christ sometimes will cost you, maybe even cost you some friends. But it's absolutely worth it. Great message for middle school students to hear. Each night of Ground Zero Summer Takeover, we had a 1,000 middle school students show up. 1,000 each night. And of those three nights, we had a 100 of them put their faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. It's something to celebrate. And I just want to say thank you to two groups. First of all, if you served at this, we had a lot of volunteers who were here all three nights and really just put a lot of time and energy into making this happen. I want to thank you for your time in doing that. I also want to thank those of you who give to this church. Because of your generosity, we are able to put things like this on for middle school students who are able to hear the message of Jesus Christ at an early age and put their faith and trust in him. Couldn't do it without you. And so I want you to know that not only are you making an investment in the next generation, but you are making an eternal investment of 100 middle school students who put their faith in Christ and stepped over from death into life. All right, here this weekend, we are in the second week of a series called Shatterproof. And if you were here last weekend, you heard me say that God's answer to you is yes. That before you even ask the question, you can know that God's answer to you is going to be yes. Yes to a relationship, yes to forgiveness, yes to new life in Christ. The question is not, will God say yes to you? The question is, will you say yes to God? And many of you did. In fact, last weekend, we had 181 adults put their faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time in their life. And if you are one of those 181, I just want you to know that was the best decision you will ever make. You are a brand new person in Jesus Christ. You, your whole eternal destiny has changed in that moment. It's a great day for you. But today, I want to talk directly to those of you who are starting to lose heart. You can lose a lot of things in life, and you'll be just fine. But you can't lose heart. Because if you start to lose heart, you're in trouble. This past spring, my oldest son, Micah, played traveling baseball for Forest Lake's 10 and under team. And about partway through the year, we were first place in our conference. We actually go, ended up going on and winning our conference. But our conference consisted of large north suburban schools. So Roseville, Brooklyn Park, Andover, Blaine, White Bear Lake, big schools, good teams. And so we started to think, we're really good. In fact, at one point, my son Micah said to me, Dad, I think we're the best team in the state. Now, I knew that probably wasn't true, but I was kind of starting to wonder myself. Then we went to Burnsville for our second tournament. We lost our first game to Burnsville 17 to 2. The next day wasn't much better. We lost to Apple Valley 15 to 2, and we lost to Mankato 15 to 1. On the car ride home, Micah said to me, Dad, if you ever think you're the best in the state and you live in the north suburbs, 
you are wrong. I said, son, it is a big world out there. Now, as I watched these 10-year-olds losing 17 to 2, I saw something start to creep over their face. They were losing heart. I could see it on my son's face. He was starting to lose heart. It's hard not to. Those of us who are adults only wish that our worst moments were played between two white chalk lines, right? I mean, as an adult, we still lose heart. It's just that the stakes have gotten a lot higher for us. In fact, a few years ago, I got an email from a guy about his custody battle. Police calls, attorney fees, a failed attempt at mediation. I didn't have to see his face. It was seeping through into his words. He was starting to lose heart. A few months ago, I talked to a woman about her relationship with her ex-husband. She said, you know, anytime my ex-husband gets upset at me about something, he will try to use our son to get back at me in some way. She never said these words out loud, but she didn't have to. You could see it in her posture. She was starting to lose heart. Then just a few weeks ago, I ran into an old friend, and he looked so stressed and so tired. And he went on to say that his family is just running ragged from all of the activities that they have their kids in. And he told me that they are struggling so much with their teenage daughter. He said, I never knew the teenage years were going to be so hard. And specifically, he said, I never knew they would be so hard on my marriage. He joked at one point that he and his wife hardly see each other. He said, we haven't seen each other in a couple of days. We're just so busy getting kids to different activities. Now, he never said these words out loud, but he didn't have to. Because his eyes told me the story. He was starting to lose heart. Friends, you can lose a lot of things in life and you will be just fine. Okay, you can lose your sunglasses. I lose those all the time. You can lose gift cards. You can even lose your keys. I mean, you might have to have a new set of keys made, and that's going to be a little inconvenient for a period of time, but eventually your life's going to go on. You can lose a lot of things in life, and you will be just fine. But you can't lose heart, because if you lose heart, you're in trouble, which is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, two different times, Paul says this, he says, we do not lose heart. Now, why do you think Paul felt it necessary to tell the people of Corinth that he wasn't losing heart? Well, he goes on in verse 8, and he says this, he says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed or broken. We're perplexed, like we don't get it, why this is happening to us, but we don't give up. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. Paul's not talking about getting knocked down at a baseball game. In chapter 11, he fills in some of the gaps. He says, I was put in jail. I faced a mob. I was whipped so many times, I lost count. Five other times, he says he was able to keep track, and he received 39 lashes. He was beaten with rods three different times. He was shipwrecked three times. He spent a whole day adrift at sea. He says, I'm in pain. I'm not sleeping well. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And I'm frequently cold because I don't have enough clothes to wear at night to keep warm. So when Paul says, I get knocked down, but I get back up again, he's not kidding. It's why we titled this series Shatterproof. Paul was shatterproof. Wouldn't it be something if you and your family could say the same thing? That no matter how many times you got knocked down in life, you didn't lose heart, but you were able to get back up again? 
that no matter how much trouble was pressing against you, you weren't broken, you weren't crushed, you didn't lose heart. You can lose a lot of things in life and you'll be just fine. But you can't lose heart. Because if you lose heart, you're in trouble. Which leads to the question I want to ask you today. Are you starting to lose heart? For some of you, the answer is yes. And you can feel it. It's not just the state of your marriage right now. It's not just what happened at work or school. It's not just what your friends said about you or how your boyfriend broke up with you. It's deeper than that. You're starting to lose heart and you can feel it. There's a lack of hope. There's a despair. There's a thinking that things will never change. You say things like this, I don't know if I'm ever gonna be happy again. Or nothing good is gonna come from this. I mean, don't give me that whole God's gonna work this for my good thing. I don't wanna hear that right now. Or maybe you've started to question life and have even contemplated taking your own. I wanna join the Apostle Paul and I wanna say to you today this, do not lose heart. Don't go down that road. But how? That's the question I wanna answer today. Let me give you three ways not to lose heart, all of them from 2 Corinthians chapter four. The first one is this, focus on Christ, not yourself. If you are focused on Christ instead of yourself, it's gonna be really hard for you to lose heart. This was such a strange discovery for me as I was reading through 2 Corinthians chapter four. Because in verse two, Paul says, do not lose heart. And then three verses later in verse five, he says this, we don't go around preaching about ourselves, we preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. As I read that, I thought, what's the connection between not losing heart and preaching Jesus Christ as your Lord? Because I think if you were to survey 21st century Americans and you said to them, hey, we're gonna write a new Bible and we're gonna start out, do not lose heart. What do you think should come next? The majority of Americans today would say, well, believe in yourself. I mean, don't lose heart, believe in yourself, trust in yourself, you can do this, you're special. The focus would be squarely on us. And yet here's Paul saying, you know, I didn't lose heart because I wasn't focused on myself, I was focused on Christ. Hard to lose heart when you're focused on him. Several years ago, I heard a story at a conference by a speaker about a conversation that he had with a friend of his. And this friend had a teenage daughter who was dating the wrong guy. And you can just imagine who that guy would be. I mean, he was just bad news. And so the father tried to reason with his daughter to break up with this guy. Well, good luck. Teenage girl in love, no chance whatsoever. He then tried to forbid her from seeing this guy. Well, she just snuck around behind his back. And so finally, this dad goes to the speaker at this conference and he says, hey, give me some help here. What should I do? And the speaker said, you've got to give her a better story. The dad goes, I don't get what you mean. He said, well, think about this for a moment. This guy that she's dating, he's rebellious. He's fun. He's probably the most exciting thing in her life right now. He said, you've got to give her something more exciting than that. So the dad thought about it for a while, and over dinner a few months later, he came home and he announced to his family that as a family, they were going to adopt a village in South America. And they went all out. I mean, they flew down there, they met the people, they saw the needs. Pretty soon, this teenage girl was holding fundraisers to try to raise money to put a water well 
so the people of this village could have clean drinking water. A year later, the dad casually said to his daughter, hey, I don't see you hanging out with your boyfriend much lately. She goes, Dad, I broke up with him months ago. I don't have time for that anymore. Sometimes the key to solving your problems is not to solve your problems. Sometimes the key to solving your problems is finding something bigger than your problems. Your problems will still exist, but now you have something bigger that outweighs them. In fact, one of the areas where people today are starting to lose heart is over the state of our world. Isn't that true? I mean, every time you turn on the news, there's more violence, there's more corruption, there's more injustice, there's more broken homes. Seems like there's fewer people that go to church and fewer people that believe that the Bible is God's word. And so many people today are starting to lose heart over the state of the world. Here's what I want to say to you. God is not surprised by the state of the world today. He's not caught off guard. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still in control. He's still saving people. We had 100 middle school students put their faith in Christ this week. We had 181 adults last weekend. God is still working in people's lives. But if all you look at is politics and social media and the news, you will very quickly start to lose heart. You got to get your eyes off of politics, the news, and social media, and you got to get your eyes onto Jesus Christ, who is bigger than the problems in the world today. He is bigger than the problems in your life. You got to find something that outweighs them. Second way to not lose heart is this boast about your weaknesses, not about your strengths. Have you ever met somebody and after you got to know them, you found out they were kind of a big deal, but you never knew that? This past year after Prince died, Matt Berry, our worship pastor here at Lionel Lakes, was watching some old Prince music videos. And as he was watching one, all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, is that Troy Martinson? Troy plays bass for us from time to time. And so he paused it and he rewound it and sure enough, it was Troy. And so he calls Troy up on the phone, he goes, Troy, were you in a Prince music video back in the 80s? And Troy downplays the whole thing. But it turns out he knew Prince. He had been to Paisley Park. He had been in a music video. I think he had even played with Prince from time to time. And he never mentioned it. Our bands sit in the back all weekend. They talk about the dumbest stuff. <laughs> and he never even brought it up. I mean, I'm just telling you, if that were me, I would do whatever I could to get that out there. I mean, I would introduce myself, Jason Strand, Prince Music Video, 1983, okay? <laughs> if one of my friends was like, you know, it looks like it's going to rain out there, I'd be like, hope it's not purple rain. <laughs> Speaking of which, I mean, I would just, whatever I had to do to get that information out there, that's what I would do. Don't you admire people who aren't that way? If ever there was a person who had a reason to boast, it was the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee, which meant he was a religious leader of his day, and he was also a Roman citizen, which meant he was in the highest class. This would be like Leonardo DiCaprio becoming the Pope. I mean, Paul was a big deal. He had a lot to boast about. And yet, listen to what he writes in 2 Corinthians 12. He says this, I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. What? Who, who does that? 
Who boasts about their weaknesses? A strong person. That's who has the confidence to boast about their weaknesses. Now, what does Paul mean when he says, I boasted about my weaknesses? Does he mean we just walk around going, oh, I'm not very good at things? To answer that question, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And look at what Paul writes. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What does this verse mean? He says, we have this treasure. What's the treasure? It's the message of Christ. It's the spirit of Christ that lives in us. Then he says, we have this in jars of clay. What's the jar of clay? Well, it's our bodies. Our bodies are the jar of clay. Now, I'm not going to do this, but if I were to take this jar and just chuck it on the ground, it would break into thousands of pieces, which begs the question, why would God put a treasure into a perishable container like a jar of clay? Here's why. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Here's the deal. God doesn't need a classy container to get his message out there. Okay? He doesn't need a cool Spider-Man lunchbox for his lunch. All right? He's just fine brown bagging it. And here's why this is good news. Because some of you are like, I don't want to be the brown bag. I want to be Spider-Man. And I'm just telling you, you're not Spider-Man. Okay? Get this through your head. <laughs> but God doesn't need a classy container to get his message out there. He doesn't need a great speaker. He doesn't need somebody who's eloquent or extroverted. He doesn't need a person who knows the Bible front and back. In fact, if you feel less than adequate to talk to your family member or friend about Christ, you might just be the person that God wants to use. And so let me ask you, is there an area of your life right now where you look at that part of your life and you go, oh, I want to do that. I feel like God wants me to do that but I just feel so weak. As long as it's not a sin, you should do it because God loves to show his power in our weaknesses in life. When you experience God's power working in your weakest moment of life, you will not lose heart. Third way not to lose heart in your life is this. Walk by faith, not by sight. Look what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 again. He says, but our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Every single one of us today, here or watching this message online, we have trouble in our life. I mean, there's no person who is immune from trouble. He says, for our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. What does he mean? Because it doesn't feel like our troubles are very small at times. He says this. He says, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over. But the joys to come will last forever. Let me ask you, what are the troubles in your life right now? I'll bet you can see them. I'll bet you look at them every day. And that's part of the problem. Because when you look at your trouble every day, you start to lose heart. It's only when you take your eyes off of the troubles that you can see, and you start to look at the things that you can't see, that you start to gain hope. 
In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story about a man named Gehazi. And Gehazi is sort of like the personal assistant to the prophet Elisha. And Elisha is a remarkable man. In fact, God speaks to Elisha in ways that he doesn't speak to other people, which made him very valuable to the king of Israel, but also made him a target for Israel's enemies. And so one morning, Gehazi wakes up and he opens up the door and he sees that during the night, 5,000 enemy soldiers have surrounded the house that he and Elisha are staying in. So Gehazi does what any of us would do. He panics. He runs in. He wakes up Elisha. He says, this is it. I mean, we're going to die. They've got us surrounded. But for some reason, Elisha seems unfazed. He looks at Gehazi and he says this. He says, don't worry. There are more on our side than on the side of the enemies. Now, I know this is in the Bible, so we sort of just go, well, okay, yeah, sure. But put yourself in Gehazi's shoes here for a moment. You're going, my boss has lost it. There are 5,000 of them. There are two of us. Okay, we don't have more than they have. But this is God's math. If you're a follower of Christ, you always have more on your side. And so Elisha gives a wry little smile and he prays this prayer. He says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. And the next time Gehazi opens up the door, he looks out and he sees that there is an army of angels on the hillside surrounding this other army and they outnumber them. Now, if you're kind of skeptical like I am, you wonder to yourself, is that really true? I mean, did that really happen? I've come to believe that it is true because I have seen people go through things in life where it seemed like they had an army of angels on their side. I have watched parents lose their children. And when they lost their children, they came out on the other side walking by faith and not by sight. And it makes no sense if they didn't have a power outside of themselves that was greater. I have seen married couples that had a relationship that was so broken and it was so gone, but they came out of that a stronger marriage and God brought healing. And the only thing that makes sense to me, the only explanation is that they had a power that other people couldn't see. Here's what's interesting about Gehazi. Those angels didn't appear when he opened his eyes. They were already there. Present yet invisible, like stars during the day, they were there even though he couldn't see them. Which is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. What if you made that your prayer this week? God, I want to walk by faith. I don't want to walk by sight. I don't want to walk based on the troubles that I see, but I want to look forward to the things that I can't see. Now, this doesn't mean that you just bury your head in the sand and pretend your problems don't exist. But it means that you have a faith that the power of God is greater than your problems and anxieties in life. It means that you look forward to the promises of God that haven't yet taken place in your life. Promises like 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Paul says this, Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed. You can see a body that's dying. You can see it with your eyes. But what you can't see 
is a spirit that's being renewed. My two oldest sons had the same teacher for second grade. She was one of their favorite teachers. Her name was Holly Soden. And Holly is the kind of teacher that all kids love because she was full of energy. She had a beautiful smile. And she just loved kids. And she was fun, as you can see from this picture here on the plasma. Just a fun person, beautiful smile, lots of energy. But Holly, who was 33 years old a few years ago, was diagnosed with cancer. And it was devastating for us who knew her. We watched as she went through chemo and lost her hair. We watched as the doctors said the cancer was gone and her hair began to grow back. And we watched when they said that the cancer had come back as well. Four weeks ago, Holly, who attends our church and loves our church, came down front here at Lionel Lakes to ask the prayer team if they would pray for her. That was four weeks ago. Three weeks ago, her husband had to push her in a wheelchair to come down front and ask people to pray for her. Just one week later. When I saw her that day, I went up to her and she gave me the biggest hug and she was just sobbing. And she said, Jason, I'm so scared. And I said, I'm really scared too. But then we talked about Jesus and how he resurrected back to life and how he defeated death and how the Bible says that if you are in Christ, you will not die, but you will be transformed in an instant. I said, Holly, I believe that. And she looked at me and with conviction in her eyes and in her voice, she said, I believe that too. That was three weeks ago. Last week before I spoke on Saturday, I drove over to Holly's house. And I was led by her husband down a dark hallway into a shade-drawn room where Holly was lying in a bed. She was in and out of consciousness. I don't know that I've ever been so close to death in my entire life. I whispered in her ear, I said, Holly, Jesus loves you. He's going to get you through this. You're going to see him soon. And she started to sob. And she goes, who said that? And it was jolting for me that she was conscious enough to know what I had said, but was not conscious enough to recognize who I was. A little bit later, her six-year-old son came into the room, and she did recognize him. And with what little strength she had, she pulled him up on the bed as much as she could, and she was just sobbing. And she cried out, my baby. She knew she was dying, but there was nothing she could do about it. I went home that day and I wrote down in my journal that if you are an atheist or an agnostic, I don't know how you watch a 33-year-old mom say goodbye to her six-year-old son. And if you are consistent in what you believe, not just lose heart for the rest of your life. But we do not lose heart because we know that death is not the end of the story. I told this family, I said, death is the enemy. But Jesus Christ he defeated death. He never sinned, so he never deserved to die, but he died in our place, and he defeated death, which is why Paul says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because death has no victory. 
and death has no sting. Jesus defeated death. And then I began to read verses to this family to try and increase their faith. I read verses like this in 1 Corinthians 15, which says, none of us will die, but we will be transformed. I read verses like 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul writes, we know that while we were home in the body, we are away from the Lord. But later he says, when we are away from the body, we are home with the Lord. So we walk by faith and not by sight. My kids had written a card for Holly for me to bring to her on that Saturday. And it was a cute little kid's card in crayons. And on the, on the front, there was three words. See you soon. I whispered that in Holly's ear when I left that day. I said, Holly, I will see you soon. She started to cry, and I did as well. Now, when I said those words, I was referring to heaven. But on Monday morning, Holly woke up, and she was stronger. And she said to her husband, I want to go to church. And that wasn't possible. But it was possible to bring church to her. And so I brought one of our worship pastors over to her house. And I gave a message and we sang. And it felt like the presence of God was in that room. And we sang about how death has been arrested. And we sang about amazing grace. And we sang a song called, Give Me Faith. Because as I had been leaving her house on Saturday, as I was driving down Highway 65, I saw all these billboards trying to sell me more stuff. And I thought, I don't need more stuff. I need more faith. I need more faith to believe that the things that God says are true. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing this song. And the lyrics of the song says, even though my flesh may fail, my spirit is strong. Even though my flesh may fail, my God never will. And maybe you're here today and your flesh is failing, your body is failing. You need to know that your God is not failing. Maybe there's an area in your life that feels like it is crumbling and failing. You need to know that your God has not failed you. The song goes on to say, give me faith to believe that what you say is true. That when God says that for those who love him, he's going to work all things for the good, that you would have a deep down confidence that says, God, I believe that's true. That when the Bible says that if you believe in Christ, you will not die, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life, that you would have the confidence that says, God, I believe that that's true. And when the Bible says to be away from the body is to be home with the Lord, that you would go, yes, God, I believe that what you say is true. Before we sing, I want you to know that on Wednesday, Holly's husband called me and said, you know, Holly and I had always wanted to be baptized together, but we never had an opportunity to do that. And so on Wednesday, I drove back over to her house and I filled up a pitcher of water and I gently dabbed my finger in it to put the water on her forehead. And at this time, Holly was too weak to even speak. 
And so I said, Holly, you don't have to answer this question, but have you made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life? And all of a sudden, her chest got big, and with what little strength she had left, she whispered out, yes. And so we baptized her in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We baptized her husband. And then this past Friday, Holly went home to be with the Lord. She is away from the body, but she is home with the Lord. And we believe that's true. And we believe that we will see her soon. And so we sing, God, give me faith. Let's all stand together as a church and let's sing those words now.